Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have a very special guest who I've been waiting for weeks to interview and hear more of her story, Miss Cindy Ashton. She is an entertainer, a singer, and speaker who performs and inspires others through her performances. She's also the author of Kiss Your Monsters Goodbye. Hey Cindy, welcome to the show. Hello, Angela. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm uh, pretty pretty excited about having a great little time with you. Me too. I can't wait to share more of your story with the listeners, and I myself know quite a bit of it as I have been following you on Facebook and was privileged enough to be at an event to hear you speak, sing, and your voice was just amazing and very inspiring when you spoke about your own story and some of the challenges you have overcome. And before we talk about where you're at today as far as all the amazing uh, entertaining and performing and speaking that you do, can you share with the listeners a little bit of your background as far as what you've endured to kind of get to the point that you're at now and what you've overcome? Sure, I would love to. You know, I believe that each and every one of us has some kind of extraordinary gift within us. And some people it's to perform like me. And some people it's to be, you know, an amazing, incredibly nurturing parent. For some, it's to have this incredible design mind and create skyscrapers. You know, everybody has some kind of, you know, incredible gift inside of them. And mine has always been to perform. That's my greatest gift. And But like everybody on their path, we have what I love to call our monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hence my book, Kiss Your Monsters Goodbye. So, you know, I always think that all of us have our ups and downs in our path and have things that stop us. And for me, the thing that was standing in my way from singing, dancing, and acting was my body. I was um, born with heart failure, actually, and I had a 20% chance of living. And the left side of my body was completely off. My leg was crooked and my eye didn't move. And so I had a whole bunch of issues when I was born. And here I'm the girl who wants to sing dance and act. And I had my first heart surgery when I was 11 days old, not 11 years old, 11 days old. And then I had my second one at five years old and my third one at 14 years old. And um, growing up, I had casts. I had like casts on my legs and my legs would grow improperly because I wouldn't have been able to walk otherwise. And at 14, doctors said, okay, you have a permanently damaged lung and, um, you know, we, you know, we saved your life, but you'll never be able to handle physical activity beyond walking. You'll be on medication for life, you know, because your heart's still fragile. You don't want any stress. Um, yeah. Okay. Like who can live without stress, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I'm sure the Dalai Lama gets stressed out once in a while. <laughs> Probably not very often, but <laughs> it happens. I'm sure it happens. He's human. You know, so they gave me a laundry list of what I of what I could not do, and thankfully I was 14, and you know, we all know 14-year-olds are highly defiant, mm-hmm. and I was still a child, and what I love about kids is that they're so flexible in their thinking, and they're so in flow, and they're creative, and they don't have the limitations on them that adults do. By the time we become an adult, like, for example, if I had been diagnosed at 25 or 30, I would have been an adult and been stuck in my thinking and being brainwashed to believe that what doctors say is God right? We have this God complex for doctors in our society and I love them. They saved my life, but they also are functioning out of their rules they've been given and rules are made to be broken. (laughs) So, exactly. So I was really, really blessed because I was young and I was 14 and I was a defiant 14 year old and I just said, I'm going to break through all this. And so within a year I was off medication within four years and I've been medication free now for 20 years. Yay. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's not cool. I love it. It's amazing. 
I love it. And even like this last week, you might hear my voice. I've had a bit of a flu and, you know, and I talked to my friend who's a nurse and he's like, oh, you got to get something for that. You're going to be a full-fledged flu by the end of the week. And I literally just kept breathing in green healing light and imagining my T-cells nice and big and strong with big biceps, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, I, it never turned into a full-fledged flu. It just, it's, it's passing through with ease and grace. So I don't do medication at all unless I'm, like, completely dying. So within a year, I was off medication. Within four years, I was trading six hours a day in a professional dance company and after that, I went to university and studied singing, dancing, and acting, and then I went out there to audition. But because of all the cutting of the nerves and the bones and the tissues and, and the nerves and muscles and all that good stuff, um, I was always in a lot of pain because I didn't have proper rehab. So when I was dancing, the the love of dance would completely eradicate the pain. I wouldn't even feel it. But the minute I stopped, I was in pain. Mm. So I'd go to bed in pain, and I couldn't sleep through the night because I was in pain. And so on a daily basis, I was functioning on exhaustion and I was functioning on empty. So when I was done all my training, I would go into auditions, but I would be so sluggish. I mean, I, I couldn't even get through a singing phrase because I would be so tired. And so I got enough no's. And what happens to all of us is that when we have enough walls hitting us in the face and our doors shutting in our face and people saying, no, you suck, you can't do it, we start to believe them and we allow ourselves to be brainwashed as opposed to trusting our inner self that says, no, this is your path. Mm-hmm. And that happens to so many of us. We're born with these great gifts and we know what our path is, but then we get so confused and we forget what our path is because it's being beaten out of us, so to speak, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I quit um, my performing career and I went into teaching and that was definitely a blessing and I don't regret doing it. And But I taught for many years as a consultant and I always found myself saying to my kids, hey, you're awesome. You're amazing. You can do anything you want. What do you want to do in your life? You know, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I woke up one day many years later and I said, oh my God, like how hypocritical am I? Like what kind of you know what I mean? Like, what kind of teacher am I that I'm telling these kids anything's possible, and yet I'm not living my dreams, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, boy, I better start walking my talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I made a decision, and I don't know if you've, I'm sure, Angela, you've had this moment where you've made a decision when you really make a firm decision and just say, I don't know how, but this is going to happen. It's like being in that curiosity, but being in that firmness is like all of a sudden the angels open up and the universe opens the sky and suddenly all the answers are there. Yes, that I've been there and I know exactly what you mean. It's really making a commitment to follow through with our dreams. That's right. Absolutely. You have to just make that commitment no matter what. And, and it's scary, but you just have to do it. And mm-hmm. you have to let go of the how and stay in the curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let me go back just a bit to talk more about your childhood, because I do get what you're saying. I mean, as children, we think that, you know, anything's possible, and we can do whatever we want. And that's a good thing. Um, and unfortunately, that gets squelched along the way as we become adults and become older. But what were some of the things that you dealt with early on in your life that really helped create who you are now as far as dealing with fear or even the challenges of being different from all the other kids and, and losing time, I, I assume, from regular school and regular activities? You know, that's interesting that you asked that because I actually, I don't think that I, I don't think that I know. Well, maybe I do know I mean, because I definitely hear, I mean, I had, serious challenges aside from my body and, you know, living in Canada at the time and turning blue half of the winter because I was so cold and my body wasn't functioning. And I did miss one third of my schooling and I was different. I mean, I'd have kids literally beat me up in the playground because I looked different and I had big scars on my body. And, Mm. you know, so, I mean, I definitely had a lot of that in terms of the resiliency to go on. 
I think part of that is that I was just born when when I because I was born in a position where I had to fight or flight. I think I just automatically knew that I just had to fight it out mm-hmm. and keep going no matter what. So I just was born with that 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 unstoppable spirit that just keeps going. And I have to tell you that I've had to really learn as an adult that I don't have to push and I don't have to fight to survive. Mm-hmm. I've had to learn how to not try to survive because I had to do it as a child, but as an adult, I don't have to have that same pushing and that same fear. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's helpful for listeners who sometimes feel like there's just no way out to deal with yeah. their circumstances and to deal with the things that come at us um, from other human beings who might not understand what we're going through or how to approach us or how to deal with the difference, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because nobody really understands what anybody else is going through until they've experienced it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I mean, so because I was, you know, a child and I was pushing through, you know, I healed myself, but that was coming from, I'm going to prove doctors wrong. Like it was coming from the wrong place. Mm-hmm. It was definitely coming from, I'm going to prove doctors wrong. I'm going to show these people what I'm worth because I felt so unworthy to be even alive. And mm-hmm. like, I didn't, you know, especially when you have kids picking on you and, and nobody understands who you are and you're different and you stand out. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to prove to you that I'm worth something. I'm going to do it. And, you know, as a young person, by the time I was, you know, 27 years old, I was nationally published twice and I had all these degrees and diplomas. And I mean, I became a highly accomplished person and that was a positive thing, but that was driven from my, from my fears that I wasn't enough and had to prove myself. Mm -hmm. And I would assume based on the title of your book that that is one of all of our monsters is realizing that we do truly have value despite the degrees, the accomplishments, the whatever. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I talk about that, I think, in Chapter 2. I wrote the book a couple of years ago, but I'm pretty sure in Chapter 2, you know, I talk about how every single person has value. I mean, I talk about at some point in the book that when I was five, I actually died mm-hmm. and went to the other side. And when I went to the other side, I don't, what I remember is that everything was just complete, pure love. It was complete, weightless, floating purity. I, it's very hard to explain, um, but I just I just knew that, that we were part of something very divine. And, you know, and up into, like, right into my teenage years, I became very suicidal because I didn't understand how I could be living in this world when the other world was so amazing and so beautiful. Mm. But what I understood in that moment is that this is the source that we come from. Whatever you want to find that, whatever your religion is, we're coming from some kind of a divine source, and it's very powerful to have created us and if we're from that, how can we be anything less than glorious and brilliant and amazing, really? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I kind of look at it like an ocean. If the ocean is our source, we're an individual wave in that ocean. The wave isn't separate from the rest of the ocean. We are one with it. We're just an expression of it. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. really what it is. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to mention before you go on and talk more about the book and what you're doing these days and all these amazing things that you've had the experience of I know from following you myself and talking to other people who know you that it's not just about pursuing your dream. What you're actually doing in the midst of pursuing your own dreams and following your passion is really inspiring and encouraging other people and giving them hope. And I know you do that through your performing. Can you speak a little bit to the audience about how that comes about for you and what you're trying to fulfill in that part of your purpose? You know, I just believe that if you really just be still and breathe and really start to know what your true essence is, if you just express that true essence, that is enough and people will feel your vibration. 
And I know that that sounds so simple, but we live in a society where all we do is push. Mm-hmm. And because it's like, oh, my God, i got to get to the sex level. I have to do this. And maybe if I do this, and I think in our minds we're always manipulating how we're going to get something done. We're manipulating, you know, how we're going to do something. And I think it's a lot of it because we don't feel like we're enough just being us. Mm-hmm. And I find as my years go by, I'm slowly reconditioning myself to know that just being my energy and allowing a divine energy to come through me is enough. So when I perform, I don't, well, sometimes I try too hard. I'm still training myself, but 90% of the time now, I don't try too hard. I just set the intention that I'm just going to allow all my energy to open up and that something divine is going to come through and that I will simply be giving to the audience in that way. And I always feel that when I'm on stage, sometimes I have one story planned and suddenly I find myself telling a different story Mm -hmm. and somebody tells me later how that story changed their life. Mm -hmm. So in terms of everybody else, it's about, you know, bit by bit learning more and more about who you really are more and more just allowing that to shine through without force, just being it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there, you know, there's off, you know, I was talking, let me give you an example. I was talking to somebody who really wants to be a speaker and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get out there, but, you know, people keep telling me I'm too quiet and I'm too calm and, you know, as opposed to rah, 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 okay, people, we're going to do it, mm-hmm. kind of a speaker. And I said, but, you know, I think that there's something really powerful in just being. Mm-hmm. There's something very, there's something really powerful, you know, some of, you know, definitely when I perform, I'm jumping around stage and this and that, and pe- people are really excited. But I find when I just stand and just sing and just allow myself to be in this calm space, I have people in tears. And it's mm-hmm. not me. It's something coming through me. So we don't need to try. Mm-hmm. We just simply need to be. And maybe the first thing you do is, you know, go to a networking event, for example, and just sit there and imagine, just imagine yourself radiating your light mm-hmm. and just notice that people will start to talk to you and want to know who you are because there's something about about your energy. So it's just about practicing surrendering into who you are and just being that and allowing that to move your action forward. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you and I think that's much needed because there are a lot of powerful people who can put messages out there and you know get followers and get people interested in what they're saying, but they're missing that part which you and I had just talked about of being authentic. And that is one of the things that I love about you, Cindy, is that your authenticity just comes right across the screen if you're on Facebook, right across the stage if you uh, listen to yourself sing. I mean, it's just amazing. And I think that is key for our listeners to understand that to really find your true self is to be authentic. And then to share that with others is the best gift you can give anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're enough just being you. Exactly. You know, and I... And I and I even got this lesson recently because I've got my big charity tour coming up and it's a six week tour called the Red Carpet Dreaming Tour. And you know when I first started this project last June, I was like, I really want to do something where I can give back, but I get to do what I love and sing. Mm-hmm. And so I started to work on this project. And for five months, all I was doing was writing business plans, writing marketing plans, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? And making sales calls and trying to raise sponsorship money. And it wasn't happening. And I'm like, I don't understand why this isn't happening. And it occurred to me in you know beginning of November, and I just said, Maybe all I need to do is just be myself and maybe I just raise money by literally going out there and doing what I do best, which is connecting like I'm a social person Mm -hmm. and I sing. And I thought I can raise money with singing as opposed to, you know, creating these extensive packages and making sales calls, which is what somebody would think that you should do Mm -hmm. to raise money. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, I did, I ended up saying, you know what, I'm just going to do fundraising concerts and see 
what's going to happen? You know, and so that was mid-November. And within two weeks, I had my first event in Orange County. And, you know, we had a pretty packed room considering I only had two weeks to promote. And I was like, wow. And we made some good money. Did another one in Vero Beach, Florida. And again, you know, I was just my essence. I went to Vero Beach. Not a lot of people know me there. I literally had two seats sold and I had four days from when I arrived to fill up the room. And I literally just went to the beach store properties and started singing to like all the store owner owners. And they're like, Oh my God, you're awesome. And I said, well, like, can you hand out flyers for me? So I ended up filling up the room. The room was sold out. And then Mm -hmm. Toronto, the room was sold out. I've got my, now, now it's escalated to the point. Like I'm literally getting people to my events by singing to them. So instead of calling a store owner and saying, hey, can you hand these out to the tourists, I would go in there and just sing to them. And they're like, oh, my God. And I said, yeah, I'm all the way from Hollywood, and I'm coming, you know. And now these events have escalated to the point that in two weeks I have an event where I actually have, like, some celebrities coming out who are endorsing me and helping me to fill up this room. And I've got, all of a sudden, I've got, like, radio and TV people saying, we're coming out, we're filming this. And I'm like, what? And it's and it's because, and suddenly the money's starting to really come. Like, this month it's starting to really come. Mm-hmm. And it's because I shifted from Cindy, you know, just to be your essence, stop trying to do what everybody else does. Right. What is your essence and how can you do what you need to do with your essence? Mm-hmm. I think that's powerful. And I really commend you for being brave and stepping out there and doing that because that is randomly singing at people. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing is, though, as you said, the gift that we all have, which is always very different is what we can use to make our dreams come true and to help empower and encourage and inspire other people. I mean, it works all the way around when we just allow it to be. So can you explain a little bit more to the listeners what exactly the Red Carpet Dreaming Tour is all about? Red Carpet Dreaming. So when you think about red carpets, you think about people who have really accomplished something in their in their, in their their field, writers, directors, actors, musicians, whatever, right? And they walk the red carpet because they're extraordinary at what they do. And like I said at the beginning of this call, we all have something extraordinary within us. We all have that extraordinary gift. Like I said, whether it's to be, you know, the most nurturing, blessed parent ever, or to be able to create skyscrapers, or to be able to do an incredible job raising horses, whatever it is, we're all, we all have a red carpet dream. We all deserve to walk that red carpet because we're all extraordinary. But I take it a step forward with what can you do with your dream to not only fulfill yourself and really be your essence, but use that essence to help others. So I do use mine just to sing at people, <laughs> you know, and, um, and to raise money through my concerts and all that stuff in order to get back to my children's charity. So that's where this whole concept of Red Carpet Dreaming Tour came. So the tour is a six-week tour taking off in May, and we're hitting six cities, and we've got six charities on board. In every city, we're there for a week, and at the end of every week, we have a big, giant fundraising concert that's going to have three to 500 people there. We're going to be live-streaming it. Every city, we're getting out local celebrities to come out and endorse us and help us, you know, fill the room. But we're also doing some really cool things like we're also doing you know going out in the streets and literally rolling out the red carpet and stopping people and challenging them what their red carpet dream is and we're going to be doing contests and polls where people could take these you know little quizzes and then they enter to win automatically to win gift cards and mm-hmm. so we've got really fun stuff and then we've got a whole contest going that's going to be launched in February where if somebody is under 25 since all so just to backtrack all of our charities are used child charities so mm-hmm. if they're under 25 and they love to sing Broadway, since it is going to be a Broadway review show, that's what I do is Broadway, 
and and they have a red carpet dream, like they have a way they want to give back, they can actually submit a three-minute video to us and enter to win. And so what's going to happen is we're going to narrow it down to 10 people, people will vote, and in each city, one person is going to be the winner, and they're going to get to actually be in the show and get to sing a solo, and all 10, uh, all 10 of, all, like all of the top 10 are going to get to also be on stage and do like a group number, and they're going to win prizes. And But it's all going to be about them saying, you know, here's us singing, but we also want to help the world in this way. So we're really inspiring our youth to step up and, and be more philanthropic in their thinking as well. I love that. That is an Isn't awesome fun. Yes, yes. Very cool. And I love that you're able to connect with people at that level because I know some of the younger adults in our society and young, you know, youth children age group are just really starving for that mentorship for that role model out there to say hey we can do this you can do this take a chance and that is amazing so I'm really excited to see how the red carpet dreaming tour unfolds I want to talk a little bit more about the book kiss your monsters goodbye I know there were I think five key things in there can you share those things with the listeners so that they can get a better sense of what the book entails and hopefully purchase their own copy the book um, is about kissing your monsters goodbye, which is about kissing your fears goodbye. So one of the key chapters in the book is really about how can you tell the difference between a false fear and a real fear? Because most of the time, we're stuck in our limitations and we're trying to solve our problems based on our fears versus our clear thinking of what the real issues are. So I think it's chapter five, if I remember correctly, I go through the three types of false fears, which I'll go through right now. So the first false fear is judgment. You've made a judgment about a situation. You've you've made some kind of, you decided something is good or bad or, or whatever, and then it's limited to in some way. I'm going to give you an example of all this in a second. I just want to go through the three. The second one is an assumption. You've made an assumption, you know, like my friend didn't call me back. I guess that she's mad at me. You've made an assumption as opposed to maybe her grandmother just died. You know, you know, I wonder why she hasn't called me back. And so that's an assumption. And then the third one is that it's a past pattern. You've allowed your past to determine your future. Mm -hmm. So the exercise that I give in that, in that book or in that chapter is for people to write out Take, a, take something that you're feeling stuck about in your life and literally embrace it and go, I'm afraid that, and just write and write and write and get it out of your system. And so the example I give in the book is that I had a client who really wanted a job promotion. And she's like, Cindy, I really need you to help me coach me through. And I could totally tell that she was really anxious. So mm -hmm. I, could, I was really able to tell that there's a lot of fear. So she wrote the whole thing, I'm afraid I'm not going to get the job promotion because. And then what you do, so you want to write out you're afraid that, just keep writing for pages and pages until you get out of your system, no matter how irrational it is, because you really want to get to what the truth is. So mm. for her, we had things like, I'm not smart enough. Well, that's a judgment. It's not a real fear. She had things like, well, in my last job, I didn't get the promotion. She's allowing her fast past to determine her future. Mm -hmm. She had things like, you know, oh, well, I, I don't have a degree and they require a degree. Well, you've made an assumption. Did you ever think that maybe your work is so great they're not going to care that you have a degree or they'll give you extra training? But the interesting thing is, is if you allow it to be a stream of consciousness, you get to the truth. And so by the end of it, by the time we got to the second page of her stuff, we discovered that, you know, she was having massive marital problems and that they were completely debt, you know, they were full of, filled with debt and they really needed the money. So mm -hmm. she actually didn't want the job promotion. She didn't want the extra stress and the extra hours, but she was trying to solve that problem as opposed to finding out what the real issue was and then going from there. And we discovered that the real issue for her is that 
her and her husband spend money as a way to mask their marital problems. So instead of fighting, they spend money. Mm. So even if she had gotten a job promotion, it would have actually been worse because they would increase her spending, right, keeping them in debt, and she would be exhausted because she'd be working ridiculous hours. Mm. This process really helps you get to what is the truth because once you know the truth, then you can deal with that. So then Mm -hmm. they were able to say, okay, we got to work on our marital problems and we need to learn how to budget and manage money because that's the real problem, not her needing a job. That's that's, amazing. I love that. And I think that that's important for people to understand is that we always need to search for the truth under all these problems and these thoughts and the things that hold us back. And and it's usually not just once. It's more than once during our lives or during a certain period that we're going through that we just need to search and unfold all this so that we can find the answers for our own individual situation. And I do want to say before we uh, share your website and where people can get more information about all the amazing things that you're doing, I find you to be one of the most humble people that I know who is in superstar mode. And I, I mean, I love that because you have received President Obama's Call to Service Award. You've sold many books and CDs and have really been out there performing and just have really brought a real presence to the whole country, if you will, and other places that you go out and perform at. And I really wish you could tell listeners how you balance that. How do you balance the superstar effect with your humbleness and your realness and, as we talked about earlier, your authenticity? I think, for me, it came down to learning not to judge other people and make assumptions about other people. Mm. And that sounds like a weird thing to say, but, you know, because I think there's definitely a period of my life where I had this ego about, well, look what I've been through and they haven't been through that and da 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 And I always had this complex about, you know, why is it fair they're getting this and I should be getting that. Do you know what I've been through? I definitely had that victim mentality mm-hmm. and throughout, throughout my years, you know, I think part of it is just that I'm still so humbled because I struggled for, you know, so many years before I started to get my success. So, I mean, definitely over 30 years of struggling to get there. So that's part of the humbleness. But part of it, like I said, is just, just you know, as I worked on myself and released my own ego issues and my own protective devices and my victimhood, just starting to really see that we all have our path and we all have our monsters. And who am I to say that mine have been harder than others? I've met people who have been through horrendous stuff that I couldn't even imagine of how they even gone through it. So I'm in a real humbled place just knowing how blessed I am to be alive and to be doing what I love, but also in a humbled place knowing that we're all exactly the same. And I've just been blessed at this point that I've been able to work through my stuff. Absolutely. I love that. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much for sharing that. And if people are interested in finding out more about the Red Carpet Dreaming Tour or getting your book, Kiss Your Monsters Goodbye, or simply connecting with you, how would they go about doing so? The book website is kissyourmonstersgoodbye.com main website where all the performing stuff is and videos and sound clips and inspirational stuff and tour info and you can still get my book on my main website is just sydneyashton.com sydneyashton.com is where you'll find everything about me but if you just want the book and you want to know specifically about the book then you go to kissyourmonstersgoodbye.com but the book is available at sydneyashton.com too Wonderful. Cindy, thank you for sharing with our listeners today. I wish you all the best in your endeavors. I'm sure that the Red Carpet Dreaming Tour is going to be a huge success and that you will bless many people's lives and continue to encourage and inspire them through your story. 
Awesome. Angela, thank you so much. I am so honored that I've had the opportunity to connect with you. You're such a beautiful soul. And to everybody listening, thank you so much for spending this last half hour with me. I'm so honored. Thank you so much.